Hello, everyone. Today is Thursday, December 7, 2023. This is Week in Charts. I just want to thank all you guys and girls for attending. If you're watching the Simoncast, that's a hard word to say, Simoncast. Simoncast? Simoncast? <laughs> On YouTube, uh, welcome to. All right, what are we talk about? Well, obviously, current market dish. They have a lot to say about that. Your questions on trading, your favorite stock and crypto picks. Wait until we get to the live charts, if you don't mind. This is for your benefit. And then just put in one symbol at a time, and that's for your benefit, too, so I can see which ones I covered. Last week, I, I kind of threw out this crypto thing, and I, and I was talking about how it's a very cheap way to get into trading, to get the reps in. And trading is a lot about getting the reps in, getting your stops placed, getting your orders placed, taking those partial profits, trailing those stops. And the more reps you do, the better off you are. Now, I don't recommend you rush out and day trade. I often talk against day trading, although I do probably way too much of it. I'm here all day and I get kind of sucked in by the siren siren call the flickering ticks. But anyway, it is one way to get the reps in. And one problem that I'm getting a little further ahead of myself than I want to, but the, the thing that I see, it's like I meet some new guy in the gym or, or some older guy in the gym and new guy being like a young guy or, or an old guy and, and they want to trade. And I ask them about the trade and like, well, I'm trading E-minis. And it's like, well, you just picked the most difficult market in the world that you could ever trade. It's a very efficient market. And we're gonna get into inefficiency in, in just a few minutes, but it's a very efficient market. Everybody the brothers trying to trade E-minis, everybody's fighting everybody out. They, they tend to cancel each other out. You got institutions coming in. One thing I learned way back in the day when I was doing technical analysis for a hedge fund is there are certain players that just don't care, and this is more for bonds, but I'm sure it happens in the S&P too. Somebody needs to hedge or somebody needs to be short or whatever the case may be. They might just come in and just do a, a ton of, of um, contracts and really screw you up. And, and there's, there's all kinds of problems with something like E-minis. And then one gentleman that I was talking to, he's a little older, but he just started trading. He's trading Forex. Well, it's the same same thing. It's a very efficient market. You got central banks, you got super wealthy people all around the world and everybody's kind of fighting it out doesn't mean that you can't catch a trend doesn't mean that i don't occasionally trade e-minis i traded e-mini options yesterday but for the most part you want to be seeking out inefficiency that's gonna make a lot of sense in just one minute and crypto might be the answer to that right now not forever okay I want to do a brief 10 percent tfm 10 percent update i continue to receive a lot of questions on that so i'm probably going to just update it each week for a while and as i kind of alluded to crypto might be a great way to parlay a small account and learn how to trade and they're just wonderfully inefficient there's a lot of other things too that can can work in your favor i'm not trying to sell you on crypto i think it's mostly bullshit, but i don't care as a trader and that's one point i want to get across tonight is that if you don't care, you have the makings of a, a great trader. Curtis Smith, Curtis Smith, Curtis Faith. I don't know if I could grab it um, quickly, but um, he's got a couple of quotes on 
or not caring. Uh, Larry Williams is a really good quote. Uh, in order to trade, you have to not care. The more you care, the harder it is. Paraphrasing. And then he basically goes on to say you have to be clinically dispassionate. Well, I could give a shit about what these coins do. And every time I try to look one up, it makes my brain hurt. So I just kind of go with the flow. I mean, I have a rudimentary knowledge of what some of them do. But for the most part, I don't try to figure it out. Uh, if you need to reach me, DaveLandry.com slash contact. Here's some other ways to reach me. My YouTube is at Dave Landry, and I I'm now on TikTok as Trend Following Moron, though I haven't posted in a few days. And then my Twitter is T Following Moron or X. I need to start calling it that. There's a disclaimer screen, as you know, you can lose money trading. I was off to sum it up. All predictions are about the future, and a lot of stuff can happen between now and then. All right, let's jump into the methodology in action, and we don't have any mystery charts this week. I want to do a quick update on the TFM 10% system. I believe with technical analysis, everything should be performance-based. So in other words, when we get to crypto, because crypto's on a tear right now, crypto's like 1999, once again, was for stocks. It's, it's crypto is again like 1999, I should say. And you could just buy things that are going up, okay? It's, it's you, you want to buy the best ones, and the best ones are the ones that are going up the most. That doesn't always work in markets. And then when markets settle down a little bit, you settle down, settle back to the core methodology and trade something like pullbacks. But one performance-based way of looking at markets is if the market drops, 10% or more, you might want to think about getting out of the way. And that's how I came up with the TFM 10% system. So rules are real simple. I'm going to breeze through it because I've done complete presentations just on this alone. But basically, when your close is 10% or more away from the 50-week closing high and you close below the 50-week moving average, you want to get out. So we recently had a sell signal, as you can see. It turned out to be a whipsaw. But that's okay, not to beat the dead horse. I never do that, right? But as Greg Moore says, whipsaws are frustrating, bear markets are devastating. You can survive frustration. And quite frankly, I'm I'm glad I got whipsawed on this last signal because I'd much rather for the market to go up. It's much easier to trade the market was going up than it is going down. We had a short we put on. We got stopped out of it, and a week or two later, it implodes. You know, that's just that's just short, the short side sometimes. Now, for the upside, I'm a little bit more stringent. It is a whipsaw filter to keep you from chasing your own tail. Uh, like someone said, what, a, what if you dipped in the zone, you came right back out of it? It's like, no, you don't want to buy right back in. Let's say, like, back here somewhere. You're like, oh, we're out the zone. Let's buy. You know, oh, we're back in the zone you'll end up chasing your own tail like that. It would be great if you could just get in and out that much, that often, but in order to make some real money, you're going to have to hold on for a while. Now, the buy, again, a little more stringent. You need to close within 10% of the 50-week closing high, okay? So you're closing in on that closing high, so to speak. And you want two bars of upside Landry light where you have two lows greater than moving average, bar one, bar two. So again, we had a sell signal and then bam, already we have a buy signal, which is fine with me, okay? 
And by the way, this is the 50-week closing high here. I have some other charts that will show it a little better. But you can see just last week, we made a new 50-week closing high. So that's obviously a good thing if your technical analysis involves performance-based technical analysis or if, you, or if your technical analysis is performance-based. Uh, you would think all technical analysis would be, but there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo out there, a lot of oscillator stuff, a lot of wave counting and Fibonacci on things of that nature. And some of that might have its use, but for me, after trying all that stuff, I just settled back to, is the market going higher or lower? And I, I forget who it is, but um, somebody once said, is you is or is you not in a trend? Or is you is or is you isn't in a trend? And it could be sometimes that simple. You just draw your big blue arrows. Anyway, that's a 50-week closing high in the queues. And there's the 50-week simple moving average. This is a weekly chart, by the way. And as Jeff pointed out, Jeff's here tonight. Hey, Jeff. When you drop more than 5% away, a lot of times the market does worsen significantly. That would be a good study to do. What happens after a market drops 5%? Does it normally come right back or does it get worse? And usually once you drop 10%, it does tend to get worse. But within 5%, the market's in pretty good shape. You definitely want to stay long when that happens. You want to get a little cautious, as Jeff pointed out. Once you're 5% or more away from that 50-week closing high, and then it's bad when you get 10% or more away. Anything below the 10% line, okay, is where bad things tend to happen. Now, here's the 50-week closing highs you can see now, and as I said a second ago. Last week, and maybe week before, no, last week, we made a new 50-week closing high. Yeah, in a week before, too, and then a week before that. Okay, so we had three weeks. You have, really have to squint your eyes, but we had three weeks of new closing highs. So that is a good thing, obviously. All right, so I just want to show you, I, for S&Gs, bought 100 shares at 319.49. And then right now, thank goodness, the the closing, the moving average, the 50 simple moving average is beginning to close in on price a little bit. And because of the drop-off effect, you're dropping off lower priced uh, numbers. <laughs> you're, dropping, you're dropping off older, lower price prices, and then you're adding in newer, higher price prices now. So you're dropping off, I'm just kind of eyeballing it, you're dropping off uh, 310s and 320s, and you're adding in 390s. So that moving average is catching up the price quickly. An exponential moving average will catch up the price really quickly because I forget the exact amount, but it's 90-something percent of price is factored into that moving average. It's front-weighted, so to speak, and that first bar, or that first, the end of the average, I should say, has a, a really big component based on where the current price is. Also, if a market closes below an exponential moving average, it'll turn down. I always want to say this just because I think it's cool. I know I'm a nerd. <laughs> and if it closes above an exponential moving average, that moving average will turn up. And it's mathematics, as Greg Morris explained to me when I asked him about that. 
anyway, uh, 393 is where we are today. Again, I got it at 319.49. So roughly 71 points, which is much better than the poke in the eye. I did this for SGs thinking, ah, it's 100 shares. Who cares? Whatever. You know, I get stopped out, stopped out. I lose 10% at worst, you know. And then now that it's becoming real money, 70-something points, it's like, well, hang on a minute, Dave. Do I really want to let it draw all the way down? Well, that's what the system calls for, and I'm just going to have to see if I can continue to hold on. Now, if I was a mechanical trader, I would be up here telling you, don't worry about the drawdowns. This is, this is mechanical. We just follow everything mechanically. But I'm not a mechanical trader, although I do program mechanical systems to kind of help tell me where I am, such as this little simple little system here in the markets. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna leave a mark if we go from 390 down to 340. So I'm giving up 50 points of open profit. That's what longer term trend following, by the way, is all about. There's going to be some hugely painful drawdowns. And that's why I take a hybrid approach where I get in for a swing trade, get my profit off, get my get my initial profit off hopefully and then have my trailing stop come up to break even and then loosely trail on the remainder and i'll show you a couple of stocks that were still long from from uh when the market slid a while back we're still long which is kind of amazing anyway so i think everybody here is familiar with the system i don't know if everybody on youtube is let me just check in real quick I'm not seeing any questions, so let's keep moving. Now, let's shift gears and talk about efficiency. And efficiency or inefficiency, to be more specific, is one of my favorite topics when it comes to markets. Now, an efficient market is known, very well known. I think anybody who's been trading for more than a day knows what an E-mini is, okay? Something that's inefficient would be unknown, okay? A little biotech stock. We've got a couple of portfolio now. One's an IPO. Other than the sectors, I have no idea what these companies do. And they're, you probably would never have heard of them. Uh, efficient stocks tend to be large caps, okay? Tend to be big, thick stocks that just kind of chop around because there's so many different people trading them or investing in them and holding them or however you want to look at it but there's so many players the market just tends to chop around now a smaller cap stock within reason could be very inefficient and inefficient means that a, a, a large move isn't priced in i'll show you a 500 percent move in a minute some several hundred percent moves in crypto and just a, a even in the old portfolio, even in our portfolio right now, we have one that's up 95%. And again, that was a stock that I never heard of it until it set up. I have no idea what they do, but it seems to be working. Now, within reason, now when you get too thin, it gets difficult to trade. You have to have enough players to make technical analysis work. That's something that a lot of people don't understand is you might have a thin stock and then one one guy let's say some guy dies and he's got a shit ton of stock and then his kids sell it and then the market implodes okay that's not that's not how that's not how that's not how technical analysis works that's not how any of this stuff works the way it works is you have the psychology 
of the players and you have FOMO and you have support and resistance because a lot of people bought at one level or sold at one level, however you want to look at it, and all these other little things factor in. You're you're trying to read the psychology of the market. Now, granted, from like let's say this is a live price, everything going backwards has already happened, and that's within the charts. It doesn't mean it's going to be, do the same thing in the future, okay? But you're making a probability prediction, a prediction based on probability, based on some sort of reoccurring pattern, and those patterns tend to reoccur, something like a TKO or a bow tie or whatever the case may be. Now, if you have something that's lower in volatility, it's going to be more efficient. I don't know where the P's are right now. I think the HV's around 15, possibly. We'll check when we get to the live charts. But you're not going to beat the S&P 500 with stocks that are the same volatility as the S&P 500. You're going to need more volatile stocks, more inefficient stocks, if you are to beat the S&P 500. Somebody years ago had a low volatility system, and I haven't heard much about it in the last 20 years. So I have a feeling it stopped working. The other thing to realize is the black swan type of event can happen with a very efficient market, okay? So when you get into this stodgy blue chip, so to speak, stock or whatever, that's really low in volatility and thinking that, well, this thing is not going anywhere. I should be fine for life in this stock or whatever. Well, something really bad could still happen and that stock can make a, a I don't want to, show you how little I know about statistics, but make like a three deviation move or something, which would be totally uncalled for. So that's something that could happen. Now, these highly volatile stocks, yes, they, they move around quite a bit, but we adjust by trading a smaller size. And, and that's why that's the excitement of the crypto right now, at least, and, and it doesn't last for long. I mean, it, it could go away tomorrow, and I realize that. But the excitement right now is these these things are moving like I had one move 40% this morning. Unfortunately, it stopped me out right before it moved. So I was I was getting ready to go live and thinking, you know, I've never really cursed lately, at least, in crypto. And then I realized that, no, Dave, you woke up this morning and, you know, four something a.m. And then you check that crypto, you're like, all right, I'm up 40% overnight in this one. And then I squint in my eyes and realized that I'd just gotten stopped out. But anyway, lower volatility in general, is not you're not going to beat the market with lower volatility stocks you need something that's that has a little bit more higher volatility and then if something has a lot of fundamentals that they have solid earnings and they're putting out dividends and kind of like old faithful old reliable stock here just kind of plods along that's you're not going to beat the market with that stock because everything's kind of priced in everything's baked into the cake for the most part now, if you have some kind of stock that's, I saw something a while back, you know, unmanned aerial drones for agricultural purposes or something, it's like, what the hell is that? But the stock went like crazy because there's no fundamentals, but there's some excitement like, oh, this thing could solve all the world's problems, at least the unmanned agricultural drone problems or whatever. But anyway, one other point, Shub, keep in mind that. Again, as I said a second ago, efficient markets can make inefficient moves, and they can make inefficient moves in your favor. I'm going to show you a coal stock in a minute. If you guys are in the service, you, you remember, of course, I know I beat the dead horse in the stock, 
but it went up 500%. Also on the short side, I like the more efficient issues within reason. And I like the bigger, thicker stocks within reason because a lot of times they, when they begin to roll over, it catches a lot of people off guard. So shorting is a little bit different. We're still looking for an inefficient move, but you could actually, in some cases, use an efficient stock. Now, as long as the market keeps going higher, we don't have to worry about the short side for now, at least. Anyway, this is a slide I grabbed. I, I believe I talked about this in a, a presentation I did for the Chinese a while back. But this is one we got in and it made a nice move higher. And I don't have the chart going way back, but if memory serves, this thing bottomed out for a while. This is a coal company, okay? So I wanna show that even something that's not very exciting, like a coal company can make an inefficient move, but you have to pick your spots carefully. The volatility was also there on this particular company. Volume was super high, okay? So it's somewhat efficient from that standpoint, but it began to make an inefficient move. Notice that it ran from just kind of eyeballing it, two and change up here, it ran two or 300% before it pulled back and then it took off again. So sometimes you can get a really good trade off when you have uh, a very efficient type of stock or stock that tends to be efficient, base out for a long, 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 long time and then begin to take off. And those would be like, mostly the value kind of stocks. Sometimes value becomes momentum, okay? And they stocks stocks that were left for dead could really come back. And then as I said a few times already, stocks that are very efficient sometimes could have a, a really big rollover. So your job is to seek out that inefficiency. The best thing you could do is trade inefficient markets, but also keep an eye on efficient markets that are poised to make an inefficient move. But the best way, again, to beat the market is to focus on inefficient stocks. As you get better and better, then you can start looking for these, these value stocks, so to speak, that are becoming momentum stocks by forming two or three-year bases and then having a bow tie. I call that pattern the Phoenix strategy. But anyway, this one, like I said, I just grabbed this slide from some slides I did a while back last summer or whenever. And this stock ran 500%. We didn't get 500% total out of it because it did come, it did correct back down. But you can see that is an inefficient move. The, the what is this over uh, about a year and change? I can all but guarantee the S&P 500 is not going to go up 500% a year and a half from now. I'd be willing to take that bet. And if it did, that'd be a good problem to have. So here's one in the portfolio, LFMD. We got in at 425 and we marked a market today at 828. So that's almost a double on that one, 95%. And you could see that that's what that looks like. That's a very inefficient move. And in fact, this move from here up, notice that it was working its way higher, it accelerated higher. And then it pulled back. I think if memory serves, it was also a Landry Light pullback. If you had a 30 EMA in here. And it didn't go straight up right away. It took a little while, but that's why we follow a system and use stops and trailing stops and things of that nature. But you can see that's a very inefficient move. LFMD, I have no idea what this company does. Tell them that or something. Well, I lied. I guess I knew a little bit. Knife River, I have no idea what they do. <laughs> Uh, but you can see that was an IPO. 
And we're up 37%, which is a pretty inefficient move because the market is not up 30% since June, is it? No, or actually July, but you can see we got in there and knock on wood, we took partial profits, obviously, we're trailing the stop higher and it hit a new equity high today. It hit an all-time high today, actually. And since we're in, it's a new equity high for us too. So that's an inefficient type of move, 37%. People will show me stocks all the time. HV's in like 12 or something like that. It's like, well, look at the overall market. The overall market's 15. That's not, as a general statement, going to make an inefficient move because first of all, it's not an inefficient stock to begin with. So just so I don't get too twisted up or whatever, you really have to pick your spots carefully if you're trading something that's more efficient. So when I'm really looking for shorts, really looking hard for shorts, and right now I'm not looking for shorts, okay? I, I go through my scans that have longs and shorts in them, and yes, I'm keeping an eye out for shorts, but I'm not like trying to find some shorts really hard to where I'm gonna go down and, and go down, let's say below 25 or so at HV, trying to find some something to short right now because the market is just off of all-time highs or right at all-time highs. So I'm not super bearish and I'm not going to try to force the issue by going further and further and further down into my database. I sort my setups by volatility. I have a very loose parameter scan I run and then I sort those by 50-day HV. Now, if you think about technical analysis, you're reading the emotions of the market while at the same time embracing your own. And one of my big epiphanies, and I thought it was a few years ago, now it's about 12 years ago, was when I was speaking in San Francisco, the speaker before me was Denise Shaw, and she talked about how you can't make any decisions without emotions. And I never really thought, I never made a connection between the neurology in trading the, the, I never made a connection between neurology and trading until after she spoke, because every time you make a, a decision, and that's any decision, as I often preach, there is an emotion involved, okay? Um, deciding on what you're going to eat for lunch today. It's like I was one of those rare occasions. I, I got out and I ran some errands. My wife called me, and... Uh, She's like, what are you eating for lunch? I was like, well, we've got too many leftovers at home. I'm not going to get in. Plus, you know, fast food's bad for you or whatever. It's like, I'm not going to get fast food. And then I passed this little gas station that has unbelievable fried catfish. And so I'm like, oh, those catfish look good. You know, I can feel myself being pulled in. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it, the, the emotions begin to, to start. Like, number one, my wife would shoot me. When I got home, I was like, man, that Popeye's was good today. And she was like, you it's like no 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 i didn't <laughs> i'm eating leftovers see me opening the fridge now but anyway just a stupid little decision like lunch okay and then the other thing was like i gotta get back to my screens it's like you know there's so many variables involved but start wrapping your head around that on a daily basis i know i'm going off a tangent imagine that some people say they learn nothing from me when i'm trying to teach but when i go off on a rant they learn something so i'll keep going on rants i guess <laughs> But one thing that you could do to kind of wrap your head around neurology, I'll give you a list of books to read. Uh, Mental Edge by Jason Williams. I finally remembered his name. 
God, I hope that's right, which is Larry Williams' son. And uh, there's a few other good books out there when it comes to neurology. If you go to davelarner.com slash books dash two dash read, I think I have them listed there. In fact, I know I have them listed there. But uh, anyway, so there's definitely a neurology involved. You cannot eliminate your emotions from a trade. I know I've done plenty of presentations just on that, but just know that that that's inescapable for all of us, okay? If you have injury or illness and it damages a part of your brain or parts of your brains where the emotions are, you're gonna have a really hard time making decisions. In fact, a lot of times these poor people are institutionalized. So it's neurology, you're just gonna have to go with it and you're just gonna have to embrace it. But that's okay. You're like, oh, I'm being emotional. Hang on, this is normal. And let me let me make sure I do as many things as I can so I, I don't get too emotional. So I kind of manage my emotions. Put that stop in place, walk out the door when you're tempted about pulling that stop away and letting the market just drop right through it. There's There's a lot of things you could do. You can commit to these commitment devices. But anyway, before I, I get too sidetracked side too far. Crypto trades purely on emotions as an example of an inefficient market. And crypto is like the promise of the future. Is it gonna be a reality? I have no idea. I think Bitcoin might be viable, but I don't wanna drink, drink the Kool-Aid there too, too much. But I am doing some experimenting with it to see what's gonna happen. But when I wrote my IPO course, I'm like, what am I gonna call this thing? It's like, well, the promise of the future came to mind because you're getting into this stock that has some sort of promise to solve a problem or it's some sort of fad or whatever. You know, what's the story of fad or glory? That's one of the questions that's as close as I'll come to confusing the issue with facts. If I see a grocery store, or like Academy a while back, I've used that example a thousand times. It's like a brick and mortar sports retailer as an IPO. Well, I have a, a pioneer setup, which gets in as early as day five. And then I have secondary setups, which look a lot more like the core methodologies, pullbacks, et cetera. So if I'm looking at a brick and mortar retailer, I'm like, well, you know what? That's not too exciting, but it's it's moving higher as an IPO. Let me just wait for that secondary setup. Now, if a biotechnology comes out, biotechnology co company comes out, or a company that's uh, running, uh, flying these unmanned drones or whatever, then that might pique my interest a little bit, and I'll get into a pioneer setup. So keep in mind that I'm not confusing the issue with facts when it comes to the core methodology, which is mostly pullbacks, but, I will ideally want that IPO. If I'm gonna get in on day five, it comes public on Monday and I'm buying Friday's close, I hope or I want to make sure there's some sort of excitement in this company. Maybe if the volatility is enough to where it looks like it's going crazy, even though if it's something boring, I'll give it a shot. But for the most part, I want some sort of promise of the future. And that's what crypto is right now, the promise of the future. Now, there's no funny minerals, at least from where I sit. You know, maybe maybe some might have fundamentals someday or some sort of fundamental reason why they would be viable. I don't know. And I don't care. And right now, 
not caring. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I've said it a thousand times. and But you had these people, well-known people, putting out newsletters, and they're just poo-pooing, poo-pooing crypto. You know, it's like, well, yeah, it's probably all BS, but if you're, or you, you know, is you, is or is you, is it a trader, right? If you are a trader, then it doesn't matter. Is it going up? Is it going down? Is it going sideways? Can I get in this market? Where can I get in? Is it set up? Is it worth going after? As opposed to pontificating your brilliance. And a lot of these people, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I seem to remember one in particular at 4,000, at 12,000, at 18,000, at 20,000, at 30,000, at 60,000, you know? And then it goes from 60 to 40. It's like, aha, I told you it was bullshit. It's like, still $40,000. You were bitching about it was $1,000, you know? I know. You just have to learn how to not, not care. Now, as mentioned before, us trader types, especially, you know, we have very little advantages as we're getting get a little older in life, but one of them is we're a little bit more seasons, seasoned. We've seen markets come and go. We know they go up. We know they go down. We know they go sideways. So we have an advantage when we're presented with this wonderful inefficiency. If we ever get another 1999 again, you'll probably never see my fatness again, you know, because because I'm ready for it this time. I'm more ready this time and not letting my ego get too inflated, like I may have done a little bit last time. Now, we understand that markets move on emotions, and we understand that technical analysis will help us to read those emotions of the markets. Those players might not be the same players in the future, but at least we could see some sort of pattern setting up that might entice other people to come in, okay? And at least we know what happened to the players, like with a TKO, for instance, that's, that's, that's the easiest pattern to explain. You have a stock that's trending along, you have a big knockout bar, bam, well, that sucks in some shorts. That knocks out the nervous Nellies, the people that just bought the stock. And those people will dump right on you, okay? Those are the worst traders in the world. They have very little staying power and they're quick to bail out. And sometimes that creates a bit of like a butterfly effect when they start dumping their stocks. Now, the TKO washes those, those fickle players out. It sucks in some shorts. And if the market goes back up, the shorts have to cover. And those fickle players come rushing back in and sometimes a stock can go parabolic out of one of those type of moves. So us traders have an advantage with a new exciting market like crypto because we understand that markets move on emotions. So that's methodology, right? Reading the emotions of the others. We understand that we cannot eliminate our emotions as I beat the dead horse on that and I often do. That, that was one of my huge epiphanies when it comes to trading. It's kind of like, why am I so emotional? Well, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. I cry if I'm forced to watch a Nicholas Sparks movie or if I willingly watch, as I've said quite a bit, a Formula One documentary. Uh, not into Formula One racing, never watched a race in my life, but these documentaries are just are just amazing, except, spoiler alert, they end badly. Watch... Uh, Watch the one on Center first, and then watch the one on Schumacher. Spoiler alert, I cry like a schoolgirl on both of those. Those are hard to watch. Anyway, we also know that we that we will often be wrong, okay? No matter how full of ourselves we get, we know we could be wrong. 
as I often say, I'm often wrong, but never in doubt. And that's a that's that should be your mantra going into a trade. And then once you pull that switch, press that lever, click that button, click the mouse or whatever you're doing to get in a trade, then you had those strong convictions going in. But then once you get in, then it's loosely held. Strong convictions, loosely held. Okay. Often wrong, never in doubt. I'm never in doubt, but I know I'm often going to be wrong. So that's where the money management comes in. And guess what? Sometimes these moves don't materialize in a huge way, but you might be able to get a little bit of a profit off. And I'll show you a couple examples of that in just one minute. You go back to those, go back to last week's presentation where I did a walkthrough on the LFMD and the K and F. And you'll see where we took partial profits and we got that stop to break even and then we trail the stop with the remainder. And hopefully, I know I just said hope, but hopefully we're in those positions for a long, long time. Something is, something is, I'm allergic to something here all of a sudden. Sorry about that. Anyway, often wrong and never doubt. We know that shit happens, you know. <laughs> the grocery line once and um, I knock something over or something or my wife knocks something over and I said shit happens and a woman behind me she was a biscuit shy of 300 i exaggerated biscuit shy of 350 and she goes sometimes twice <laughs> i thought it was under my breath but she heard me anyway we know that shit happens and we're gonna exit when our position failed if we're a trade follower as we are by the way the only way you ever make money in a market is to capture a trend that's why i am a trend follower I have my own little hybrid way of doing it. I have my own little patterns, but boil it all down. I am a trend follower. And sometimes I do different things in markets. Like sometimes I just buy them and they're going up as I'll show you in just one second. But we know we're gonna exit when the position fails. If that's a minute from now, if that's a second from now, it could be the next hour, the next day, or hopefully the next year or longer. All trades eventually end badly. George Carlin said when you buy a pet, it's going to end badly. Okay, we, we got a dog having seizures now. It's like, oh, God, here we go. My daughter's like, keep her alive till Christmas. Anyway, let's shift gears and let's talk about inefficiency in crypto. And this is the open portfolio. This one is GMT. This was one that I, that I had an order in to buy and I didn't buy it, but I just left it flagged. Green means I've hit the initial profit target. Blue's on my watch list, like the big blue arrow. And reds are positions that I've taken that have not hit the initial profit target yet. And we'll go through all these live. I want to show you a couple here in the presentations. Now, here's one from last week, and I wanted to follow up on it. So there's all the trades. We'll come back to them in one second so you can see them. But you can see we got in here. Now, this coin i don't know if it's a coin or a token or whatever it is but this whatever this thing is and whatever they do <laughs> who knows who cares who cares right you know in order to in order to trade you have to learn how to not care care about your money management care that you're you're not dealing in mediocrity anthony bourdain said the greatest sin is mediocrity amen a brother from another mother and I agree, I'm actually working on a piece just on that. But anyway, we got in, I got in here because the market was going up. Sometimes you could just buy the strongest pairs of these things. If the stock market is blowing and going, you could buy the strongest stocks and 
I know I've said it a thousand times. I'll probably say a thousand more. I had a client that paid for two of his, two of his investment properties. Now, granted, conditions were crazy good. One was probably 1999. I forget the other one the time. But he would just, he had a little app on his phone. I think it was like a CNBC app or something. And he was watching the Landry list, which is a list of momentum stocks I put out every day, a short list of stocks that are set up. And he would just buy the top two or three in the list and stay in those all day long. And that's all he did. And he's a physician and he'd go out and treat patients. And every now and then he'd, you know, he'd go play with his phone a little bit and then go back to treating patients. Anyway, so you don't have to bet the form in this stuff. I have, I have three small accounts and believe me, this is not my bread and butter. And this is something I'm, I'm going to see if I can parlay these things. And it's a game. And that's the other thing I was thinking about too. If you make it a game while you're getting the reps in, then it becomes fun, okay? Um, one of the guys in the gym, he seemed a little down in dumps. He's a little older guy. He's kind of like, oh, I think I might give up on trading. Well, he's trading Forex and eBetties and things like that. Well, that's your problem right there, part of it. But obviously, the capital risk, he can't handle the capital risk. Well, if he's trading crypto with a $5,000 or $10,000 account, and risking a hundred bucks or so on a trade, then it's not it's not going to be as bad as going in and getting whacked for five or ten thousand dollars or whatever the case may be. So in this case, only put a thousand dollars in. The initial profit target, I put a thousand dollars in. Okay, bought it just because it was going up. We're going to look at the live charts in one second, and we'll see if there's anything that looks interesting. And it. In stocks, what I do is you'll notice if you go back and look at that portfolio slide, if you really want to look at that, obviously when I'm done, you'll see that the the stocks that we're in, we bought a whole bunch of shares of one because it was lower priced, but also the volatility was such and the price was right to where it called for buying a lot of shares. The higher price one where the volatility, where the price distance was fairly large because uh, point-wise at least, we bought fewer shares, okay? So I'm not doing all that math in crypto right now. I'm just getting in, putting in a 20% profit target and sometimes that, get hits, that gets hit really quick. So $1,000, we, we would take half of that off at 20%, 1,000 times 1.20 and that's all i do to do the math on my calculator and then i put the order in as soon as i trigger in and i put these lines in the chart so this is where i got in and this is a 20 percent line here and i have a limit order in place so like i said last week let's say you were looking for like 115 and you went ate lunch or did whatever you had to do snuck out and got some fast food would <laughs> you tell your wife you weren't going to do that and this thing shot up to 115 and you got back and like, oh, I do. I should have put that order in. So you still have to be super disciplined. Now, on a mark to market, I'm sorry, I stopped out of this one for a 48% gain. Okay. And the whole position, if you look at the whole thing, was $297 on a $1,000 investment, so to speak. Or I, I like to call it, let's call that margin. Okay. Putting up $1,000 margin. So that's better than a poke in the eye. So there's the IPT right there. So that's a 20% run. We get the stop to break even. So when we hit this IPT, our stop is now here, okay? 
And then if it continues in our favor, then we trail a stop higher, as I did. I woke up this morning and I got pretty excited, as I said a minute ago. And then I realized I got stopped out. So actually, this stop is probably right here in here somewhere. This line might be a little bit off, but I think it was this morning or overnight I got stopped out on that one. Anyway, there's the trades again. Um, better than the Pokeney eye. Now, like I said, in prior weeks, I am trying a little experiment. I know it's a little bit out of what I normally do, but I'll show you a case in a minute where I think it's kind of a kind of a cool thing to do. But I'm just when I hit, let's say I hit the initial profit target, I take a whopping $25. Okay. And I send that to I convert that to Bitcoin. Okay. And this is my mining, so to speak. And one thing I started doing uh, after seeing a lot of these spikes like this one here, pretend I was still in it, the spike like this. The other thing I started doing is at a hundred percent move, some of these things will hundred percent come right back in. So at hundred percent move, I'm putting in orders to peel off a little bit and then quote unquote mine a little Bitcoin, so to speak. So let's say for argument's sake, let's say I got in at 62 cents and let's say it made it all the way to 124. Okay. So I would take partial profits along the way and then I'd put in an order at 124 to unload some at 100% because 100% in a couple of days, that's pretty amazing and likely hard to sustain. I'll show you an example of what I did in just a minute that that explains just that, an actual trade. But take a little bit off there and then I'm sticking that in Bitcoin and then I'm following the rest of it with the core methodology, trailing those stops higher. So I'm just taking a few crumbs off here and there if you, I was trying to explain mining to this uh, friend of mine, and you could buy a miner on probably even a new one, uh, a cheap one, whatever, for a couple hundred bucks. People unload them, and you could plug it in, and it will lose, it'll lose five dollars a day. So these little miners, uh, everybody got all excited about that. That's not very lucrative. That's a, that's a big boy's business. And by when I mean big boy, it's like you have like a layer of thousands of machines inside a mountain in Iceland where you can keep it nice and cold provided the the earthquake the uh, volcano doesn't erupt again last time we did that I was on a tarmac for hours anyway so I woke up this morning and said mother father so like I said uh, I haven't dropped any f-bombs and I guess I was lying because I did drop an f-bomb this morning when I woke up on that one now, here's another one, and there we'll come back to this, but there's the actual trades. And you can see this little $25 here. That's just another little mining type of thing. And I remember back in the day, commissions, if you if you could trade stocks with $25 commission, that was huge. It used to be like $50 commission. And way back in the day as a small trader, you know, you get 100 shares, let's say 100 shares, $10. And that's... Um, thousand dollars and you pay a fifty dollars commission and fifty dollars in fifty dollars out that's a 10 you know that market's going to move 10 percent just for you to get paid so I, back way back in the day i was used to paying commissions and you really have to be a good trader to beat those type of commissions but anyway i'm just peeling off a little bit here and there to kind of mine so to speak to see what's going to happen and right now bitcoin's doing really well so it's kind of cool to have that free bitcoin so to speak coming in
So the entry was here. Ignore that up there. And then if you add it all up, it's 46% move. And then this orange line here is where I'm going to stop out on the remainder of the position. So this one stopped out a few minutes ago. And I wanted to show you that, okay, it was just going straight up. So I bought it. And it hit my initial profit target. So I took off half. And I might have mined a little bit off the Bitcoin, so to speak. And then it imploded. Well, that's better than the poking eye. And that keeps you in the game when you make these small gains and stop out of break even. Now, I can guarantee you in a lot of cases, this thing might implode and go down to zero. So that's where the money management is very, very important. So here's the TIA. This was the one that I put a very small amount of money in it just because I think it's, this was like an account where I don't have a lot of money to begin with. And sometimes I just have a little money left over because I'm so positioned right now at everything. And I was like, well, you know, if it takes off, it takes off. Let's just see what happens. So $319 and then $197 came off, okay, at the IPT. It wasn't $197 worth of profit. That's just how much money is coming back into the account. $320 out, $200 back in. And then $455 was the mark to market a little while ago. Now, on this one, I put in an order to sell at 100% as I try to sell just for S&Gs, again, just having fun, sell a few of these shares off and, and, and buy me a little bit of Bitcoin with that. So my, my strategy is shitcoin, S-H-Y-T, shitcoin to Bitcoin to see what's going to happen. Last time I tried this, if you remember, what I did was I kept a little tiny bit in a native currency, and that pretty much failed miserably. I think I had $600 left after about a year or two of doing that. And I was thinking that maybe one of these would really take off. I know I'm confusing the issue with facts. But by doing what I'm doing now, it's kind of a way to get a little free Bitcoin, so to speak. But it wouldn't let me sell $25 as a minimum on how much you could sell. So the minimum was $75. So I put in an order at 100% and it got nailed. And that's it's on a little spike. So that's an extra 75 bucks, which I think I, I put into Bitcoin just to see if that could that could grow again that's s and g's all asset classes at some point in your life will lose at least half the value so maybe if this actually builds up then i'm going to do some money management and all again right now i'm just having fun i want to see what's going to happen by peeling off a little bit here and there and it kind of makes it a fun game and and every time i hit an ipt ooh, i get all excited and then i move a little 25 dollars over i know it's nickel and dime stuff compared to like the real stuff that happens over here but it's 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 just kind of fun and and exciting and, and who knows you know maybe we could parlay this account up and see what happens. But anyway, those those are all the trades on the bottom. You can see like right here is twenty five dollars. Let's see, yeah, that's twenty five dollars. That was the the mining, so to speak. So in this one, I got a hundred dollars out that went over the Bitcoin, and I'm still in this thing, and I'm gonna ride it as long as I can. Now, by the way. That was a 400% move. This thing is, is, needs to be out of the way, but that was a 400% move, at least from, from the entry up to the peak. This is an inefficient market, okay? That 400% move was not priced in. Now, last week, this is left up from last week, just show you real quick. 
I had an entry on this one. We'll take a look at it in just a sec. We, we're getting ready to jump into crypto. So if there's any you want to look at, let me know. But I had an entry at 28 cents. You can see it was a Landry Light pullback or close enough or just a pullback, if you want to call it that. But we had lots of Landry Light. Entry at 28. Now, I ended up pulling this order because there were so many other pairs that looked pretty good. And this was just kind of chopping around now. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at crypto. If you guys want to start asking about individual stocks, feel free to do so now. And I'll just shift gears to real quick. We'll get into crypto. Okay, so here's the here's the TIA that we just talked about. And I bought it down here when it was going straight up. Now, when you're playing RS, okay, relative strength, all I'm doing is I'm sorting these by the strongest. You could do this in stock charts too. They don't have as much data because I think they ran out of zeros. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind thought you'd ever need, what is this, one, two, three, four, five, six, I can't even care. I can't even read that many, about seven or eight zeros. But sometimes you could just buy the strongest ones. Like that's kind of interesting. It looks kind of choppy though. So I'd be careful with that one. But sometimes again, you could just buy the ones that are going straight up. Let's see what's happening here. And that's all I'm doing. It's just sorting them by the, the, the strength. I think the, as I've said before, I think they roll at some, one of you guys was telling me last week or week before, I think they roll these things right around the time that I uh, do this webinar six o'clock or so central time but anyway it's not a whole lot jumping out of me right now maybe if we went through the whole list let me just show you my list real quick there's that luna we just talked about you see my stop i have it down below the um where i entered just this is not the actual stop my actual stop was right where i entered but i just put a line in here to let me know that i actually have a stop in place okay or had i should say so that one got stopped out. The This is the one I talked about earlier. This My entry would have been at 28 cents on this one. But again, everything else was kind of going crazy at that time. So I ended up taking the money I was going to put in this and put it in some of these other ones in here. So let's take a look at some of these. This one's, you can see, just kind of chopping around the entry. Now, here's the thing. If you're relative strength trading, and let's say I came in here and... Let's say this BTT looked a little bit better, okay? Um, I like to buy them when they're at the top of the candle. What did I just say candle? Top of the candle and into uh, relatively new highs, uh, like at least like multi-month highs. And I might say, okay, you know what? This AVAX is kind of, it's just not getting anywhere. We've had two days of this thing. And it, it didn't hit the IPT, which is way up here. I like something better, okay? I like this BTT. I don't actually like it better, but assume that I did. Assume that you didn't have this big tail here. It is at the top of the bar. I might just actually buy that, right? So what I would do is I would drop my order on the GMT and then buy this, or drop my order, or, or should say I'd close out this one and then buy that one, right? Now, when you're doing that, the only problem is tomorrow when you look at it, if I come in tomorrow and this one's up 50%, I can't have regrets. You have to make a decision and you have to live with it. That is trading, okay? 
Making decisions is pretty easy. Living with them is not. You see this eight is doing pretty good. You see what I did? I just bought it because it was going up. Now, if they're all going down and you got one or two going up, don't touch them, okay? But if the market is looking really good and if Bitcoin itself is going straight up, then that might be a good time to trade. Now, as Bitcoin corrects, we're going to go back to looking at stuff that looks more like this, okay? Take it off and then pull them back. So let's just take a look at these real quick. This one I got a really crappy fill on. I don't know what happened, but somehow I got a really crappy fill. So that kind of sucks. So I might need a bailout on that one because it's going to piss me off. It doesn't work, <laughs> especially now. You see, this one was kind of going straight up. Okay, so I bought it. And that's the game you can play now. Now, you don't want to put $10,000 into one of these little shit coins. But if you're small and nimble and you're just having fun, you can put $1,000 into them and then flip out half and make 100 bucks and then trail a stop. And who knows? You might make three or 400 bucks on the remainder. So the percentage gains are just ridiculous in some of this stuff. And again, I'm having a lot of fun. TIA, there's the TIA, okay? In way back here. Actually, that was my initial profit target. So this is probably, this was a trailing stop. I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm, I'm getting a little bit better in my marketing things, but I think I bought this one back here somewhere, right as it was making new highs. Kind of like, kind of like I trade IPOs. This was kind of a, ooh, I'm learning something here. Um, John, are you here tonight? John R., uh, write this down. Maybe we could treat these pairs. I got to watch because this might just be coming on to Coinbase. But if this is a newly minted shitcoin, then maybe we could do like the buy it B pattern, which would have bought right there on something like these. So that might be the way to go. I have ha I've had really great success with coins that are new to the market, but they also tend to be like a bottle rocket, as I've talked about before. They go kind of straight up, and then they come right back in. I think I just stopped out of this one. Yeah, see this orange line? That's my stop, okay? So I'm out of this one, so that's going to probably, I'll undo that once I've confirmed that I got knocked out of that one. I'm still in this one by the skin of my teeth. Now, this would be a core methodology setup. It's not a Landry-like pullback because it would have to come all the way back to the 30, but it's a generic pullback, and it looks pretty good. Look, it's coming down, so stop me out. So what? Okay, I got in here. I got it at 1257-ish. I flipped out half at 15, okay? So that's three points, round numbers. And then if I get stopped out here, 17 minus 12, four and a half points, okay? Better than the Pokemon eye. And that frees up a slot, so to speak, where I could, or at least a half a slot, where if something begins to move again, I can go in and go after it. Is this that big time? Oh, this is big time, this is different, okay? Now, this is one, okay, this is what I wanted to show you. I put a little note in here. So back here, now I don't play breakouts as a general statement, unless the market's going straight up, then maybe I'm playing breakouts. Or maybe intraday, if I see something breaking out, I'll play it, trying to get in the strongest ETF, trying to play that RS game during the day. I do watch my ETFs during the day, sorted by percent change for the day. Now you gotta be careful because you gotta factory gaps and all, it's a different conversation, but same sort of thought process, buying stuff that goes up. But you can see I bought it back here as it broke out. And because it was at the top of the candle, 
and it was the strongest one. And this is also kind of a newer one, unless it's just newer to Coinbase, but it looks like a newer one. And you could see that it, when it went up 20%, I took off half and then I put 25 bucks of Bitcoin for S and G's. And then I put an order at 100%. And actually, actually what I did was I put an order at 400% because a double of a double, okay? So this thing went from 25 to 50 cents. And when I thought about this doubling thing and taking a little bit off, I said, what would happen if it's something already doubled? So let's see what happens if it doubles from there. That would never happen, right? Well, it happened, okay? And so somewhere in here, I was able to peel off a little bit more. And so this one, so total, $100 total. So $75 went in here, and then $25 was taken here. The point I'm trying to make with this spike thing that I started doing is these things often spike and then come right back in like this one did. Why not take advantage of that spike and pull a little bit of money off? You don't have to put it into, I just made the universal sign for something vulgar. <laughs> Uh, pull a little money off, put it in cash, and, and I'm like I said, I'm just having fun. You're likely, it's likely to spike and come back in. You're more, that's more than likely to happen. So why not make a little money up here, okay? And let's say it spikes and you make a little money, you pull off $25 or $50 or $100, whatever the case may be, and then it keeps on going. Well, it's like, so what? You've got a position, it goes up four or five hundred percent, even with a small position, that becomes substantial, okay? So I figure it's kind of a win-win. And if you disagree, let me know. Uh, maybe I'm not seeing something. GFI, this one hasn't done much lately, but you can see it did make it to the IPT and just kind of bouncing around in here. And STX, I think we talked about this one last week. But again, this is one I just bought going straight up. This looks like a little bit thinner one. So you probably couldn't go in if you did have a big account and put a lot of money into something like this, but you could you could get $1,000 off easily, right? Go in and you can see, took the initial profit targets, now it's coming back in. I don't care if I get stopped out. I don't, it's hard to believe because I sure do drop some F-bombs in stocks, but I don't care. If it comes back in, stops me out, so what? I made a little bit of money on it, it's better than poking the eye, like the one I showed you earlier. Uh, I think that might've been very, in fact. Nope, yeah, it might've been, it doesn't matter, but you get the idea. Enter. IPT stop out, okay? You do that enough, before you know it, your little account becomes bigger and bigger. All right, Bitcoin itself, uh, it looks like it's it's in for a little bit of a breather. This is healthy though. I didn't like it when it was kind of wedging higher back here and then it consolidated, made a nice space. That looks pretty cool here. And then now it's pulling back a little bit. I'd like to see like a flag type of pattern or something. That'd be fantastic. All right, any other coins you want me to look at real quick i'm just kind of uh in nerd mode on this stuff see this this one looks a little thin but like see that's at the top of the candle right now that might actually be a good buy just for s and g's let's just see oh that's cracking do i have any crack let's see what's happening let's let's ideally i you got to be careful they have these big tails like this but let me just see if I can fire off something here just to show you that I'm actually doing it. Talk amongst yourselves. BTT. You guys know what they, they do? I have no idea. <laughs> 
We're going to uh, shift gears real quick and talk about stocks. BTT. Let's see if we can do anything. BPDT. I don't think I have any money left for this one. Uh, anybody know if this is Coinbase? Let's see. Market. Yeah, I only have $114 free, but I'll, I'll go ahead. We'll buy $114 worth of this. That, that's probably my buy right there. Bastards. <laughs> probably gave me a crappy fill. Let's see where I filled. Uh, a whopping $114. Here we go. Let's see. Trades. So I filled at a whole bunch of zeros and nine two. So I filled right where it is. So that was my trade to push it higher. So this would obviously do thin and, and you do want to do a little due diligence and be careful. And so that's right there. I'm not going to do it now because we're in the middle of the show, but as a habit, I immediately put in that IPT. So that's where I'm in. And then I need to put this in here to remind me to put an IPT. Okay. Let's go ahead and shift gears to stocks. And you guys want to start asking about individual issues, feel free to do so now. And we'll get to, uh, let me get my screen shared. <laughs> there was something. I saw a little short video or something. <laughs> Let me get my screen shared. Okay. All right, uh, SP 500, not a bad day, up about three quarters of a percent inside day, but still a, a, an okay day nonetheless. Lapped open, LAP open, okay. And then for the most part, rally a little bit. Didn't set the world on fire, it was a pretty choppy day. Uh, earlier I said HV, HV of the S&P is 13, okay. Let's take a look at LFMD. LFMD is 53, so that's about four times more volatile. And where's KNF? KNF have an HV yet? KNF is just 36, but it's still, what's that, three times? I've already forgotten what the S&P is. Yeah, it's about three times the S&P. So let's take a look at the P's or go back to the P's. My big concern had been that these indices just kind of went straight up in here, and it's hard to mount a new leg on top of an old leg once you're so overbought. But the market can walk off that overbought condition by going sideways. As I told my my premium clients tonight, the as long as we bounce between 550, 4550, and 4600, then the market can consolidate. The bigger the base, the bigger the launch in the space. As Ralph Acaparo, Acaparo, I can't think. Of, I can't say his name in a second. Anyway, uh, it says there's a composite up a point in a third today, and it closed right here at these multi-month highs. I sure would like to see it take out that prior peak in here, but so far so good. That's one issue we're up against is a lot of these sectors and indices are bumping up against their prior highs in here. Let's take a look at the Rusty. The rusty has been improving as of late. It's it's ugly longer term, just sideways and wide loose, electrocardiogram, et cetera. But it has been improving as of late. So take things one day at a time, you know, routine. Gold medals, most overhead, not too bad. URA, SLX. Keith, how long have you been coming to these shows? What did I tell you? One symbol at a time. <laughs> it's all right. We, there's not too many in there. I'll, I'll, we'll take a look at all that. Gold has been doing pretty good as of late. It also has bumped up against a little resistance back here. 
I'm not seeing any gold stocks just yet. There's a couple silver stocks that look okay, but they're bumping up against overhead supply. Yeah, it's kind of um, all over the place for silver. It's it's rallied up, and now it's going to deep pull back. It's I, I I wouldn't get too excited about silver. Gold looks a little bit better. Silver and gold. <laughs> about that time of the year, huh? Uh, energies energies don't look good. They look like they're in trouble. But they're so dang choppy. I'm not really seeing any setups here. And a lot of them have a lot of, kind of like the sector itself. You sell this, this fluff back here. So if you short this, it's going to run into this fluff. And remember, people actually trade it back here. There's, there's not little magical squiggles on this chart. So it could run into trouble. Metals and mining has been strong in general, but it's kind of a little wide and loose. The dollar has been weak and that's been helping out the metals if the dollar goes down it's going to take more dollars to buy commodities okay so that's what's kind of propping up those commodity markets and i'm kind of surprised that it's not propping up energies more than it has been but the dollar is the first thrust down the dollar is a bow tie down let's see if i can do this and not mess anything up yeah it worked okay so you see the dollar's bow tie to the downside so that's looking kind of ugly The regional banks have been kind of on fire. It's like the, the DPST. It's kind of like the church of what's happening now. It's like, I never dreamed I'd, I'd buy a bank ETF, but this thing is just ludicrous. Even ludicrous would say it's ludicrous. I think it was this day here. I just couldn't believe the move, and I just bought it because it was going up. Now, I flipped it out by the close. Now, this thing's squirrely now. It can, it can come right back in. So don't uh, don't think it's just a... Don't think I'm just printing money on that. It gets kind of ugly at times. Financials kind of look like the P's a little bit. They've kind of gone straight up, and now they're going to deal with this prior little peak in here. And then they have a ways to go all time highs. But in general, they're improving. Most areas have been improving. Areas like drugs, even though improving, they still look kind of ugly in here longer term, kind of rounded top-ish. Biotech's been improving a bit. Overhead supply through, but so far so good. I wouldn't use yet, but we start seeing setup. Everything I do is setup based. I deal with the sector to help you out a little bit. Okay, put a little uh, wind in your back in your back. Day, <laughs> long year. Health services kind of consolidated in here. They had a pretty good run of late. A lot of these areas are up. That's a good thing. MD actually to all time close at all time highs today. So builders that impressed. So who would have thought with rates as crazy as they are? Now rates have backed off, obviously. We'll take a look at the TLT. If bonds go up, the rates go down. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go get bearish or bullish on bonds. Already get slip, maybe. Because they have a lot of overhead supply, but at least they're headed back up. That is obviously a good thing. Nearly done here, so we'll jump into those stocks. Transports, where are they way higher in here? I wouldn't rush out and buy transports. We can see at least they're improving. Software's been doing really well, just shy of all-time highs, but it's been doing pretty good in here. It's one of the areas that has broken out past the prior peaks in here and beginning to pull back a little bit, so that looks pretty good. Semiconductors, kind of a mixed bag there. They're okay. Let's take a look at the SMH real quick. 
Uh, SMH actually got past the prior peak in here, but now it's pulling back in a little bit, rally a little today. Let's see if we'll get back to the other one. So that's a little bit concerning it here. Overall, they still look pretty good. Overall, the trend is still up, but they do have to get past this prior little peak. And then they also have to deal with the other little peak in here too. So that's the, it's kind of a weird situation we're in. The market just became so overbought, so crazy, so crazily fast. I'm sorry, I was trying to multi-process. Okay, let's go ahead and let's shift gears and jump in charts. Keith says, I remember your daughter was born and that was a major NASDAQ time. Yeah, I was a little full of myself. My first daughter was born and I uh, got all excited, held her up to the screen. I don't know if I have a Dave Lantern on swing trading anywhere near. I think I have a, I have a Korean copy. That won't do me any good. <laughs> it doesn't have a picture in it, I don't think. But anyway, yeah, I held up the screen to show that the NASDAQ was at uh, 5,000 and change or whatever it was. And then it was... Um, that was the absolute top of the market. Crazy. Yeah, Keith, you've been around for a while too, huh? <laughs> All right, golds, metals, mostly of overhead, not too bad. Yeah, yeah, you kind of answered your own question. Um, the uranium has kind of been crazy. Uranium is always kind of crazy. And uh, what's the spot, uranium? Is that uh, whatever I see, Sprott, I think, spot, but that's that. This one is. This is physical. Yeah, physical uranium is doing pretty good. So you can see that's that's been on a pretty good trend. The actual commodity is looking better than the stocks. And usually that's not the case. Usually the commodity is kind of choppy, and then the stocks can be inefficient compared to the commodity. But uranium is such a crazy market. So yeah, uranium for the most part is headed higher. I'm just not really seeing it in the stocks themselves i guess longer term the uptrend remains intact we did i did point this pullback out a while back so i guess it's kind of a choppy trend now but it has worked so far knock on wood and you are in them another etf so it looks okay i'd like to see them get past a prior peak in here and not look back slx slx okay this is a steel etf i've never traded it look it's super low in volume but Sometimes these ETFs you could you could get away with trading them. I wouldn't try to day trade it. Yeah, that looks okay, Keith. It's just it's just an electrocardiogram though, and it's bumping up against those prior highs in here. So I wouldn't get too excited just yet. Yeah, it's headed higher. Maybe if you see a steel stock that looks good, that's nicely set up, it might be worth a shot. Okay. Anything else? I know we talk a lot about markets and all in the uh, I know you guys we were talking about a lot of IPOs lately. Any of those IPOs you want to take a look at? Uh, so this actually could have a little bit better range. I, I know you guys were talking. Oh, steel! Look at that. Okay, so all right, what's the story of Fat of Glory? What's well, kind of hard to get excited about steel stock, but steel's going higher. So this would be a pioneer setup. I would wait for in something like steel. I would wait for to see if this thing can keep keep on keeping on. I would wait for something that looks like uh, this, and then this stoke. How do you say that? What is that? Stoke. I don't know what that is. Almost actually put a stoke on the chart. Yeah, by a B, you would have went. You would. You would have gone long on today's close. Something like a steel company. Eh, let's just wait and see if it could follow through. 
and we'll play that first pullback. But uh, yeah, uh, John is my IPO guy in the group. So John, remind us if this thing sets up as a pullback, but I'll see it in my scans, but wouldn't hurt to have a second reminder. That's a great thing about the Facebook group is you get more than one eyes, more than one set of eyes looking at things. All right, any other questions or thoughts? Uh, I haven't forgotten about you guys on YouTube. Let me just see what's happening here. All right, look, quiet bunch over here. All right, uh, I think that's uh, that's it. Everybody have a great weekend. If we don't talk to you now and then, I'll see everybody, most everybody here that's a go to webinar. I'll see you tomorrow on Facebook. Everybody else have a great weekend. And uh, I guess uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Oh, we made a trend be with you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.